Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Pete's going to have to sell his uh, Speedos to pay for the bill. (laughs) (laughs) Pete Thamel. Most times they throw me out of the bar when I spit on myself, right? That rule, that rule is like getting endorsements from bib companies. So. And SI's Pat Forty. Would Jesus hang out behind a KFC? Is that where Jesus is? You know, everyone's looking for the guy. Jesus is everywhere, Dan. Jesus is everywhere. <laughs> Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the podcast. I got an update. On race for the bar tab. <laughs> As you know, we did race of the case all fall. Someone named uh, Pete Thamel won it. Made us in dominating don't... fashion. I mean, <laughs> made us <laughs> run, made running us away from the field like Secretariat at the Belmont. Yeah, well, that's old news. <laughs> yeah, let's let's the new talk picks current news. We're for the bowl for for the uh, bowl season. And the the loser has to pay one hour of a bar tab <laughs> uh, when we all get together in New Orleans to tape our pre-national championship game podcast, which will be out late next week. Uh, subscribe now. Tell your friends it's coming. My only regret here is we limit it to an hour. <laughs> I have already begun researching <laughs> most expensive drinks. And- Nobody said we can't get bottle service right at 59, 59 mark. I have to admit that when you sent the screenshot of most expensive bars in New Orleans, I laughed pretty hard. Yeah, that was I mean, that is true. That I was, did. Uh, yeah. Yes, I, 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 I got a couple. I did not think it was for Jess. But yeah, I was. I've got the Ubers ordered. We're, we're going to be there. Uh, let's just uh, let's just go down the little thing here. Uh, hey, look who's at the top. Myself, 23 and 12, tied with Pat 40. 23 and 12 mm-hmm. dominating fashion both of us we are we were mathematically in the playoffs if you will it's like one of those <laughs> baseball teams that wins it in uh in august before new year's like before new year's eve i think yeah no we were we were i hope you sprayed yourself with bush light dan like you shook up a can and <laughs> we <like> did <laughs> your wife and daughters were like huh just, they actually we, we clinched a long time ago is what we're saying. They, they weren't surprised at all when I just shower and push like <laughs> and then with a strong performance here Sully is now 21 and 14 he was struggling oh wow but he is like Silky Sullivan at the Kentucky Derby we're yeah. coming from behind baby you're gonna show I don't Man. know if you're gonna place but you're gonna show and It'll then Pete 20. Pete is uh, the the magic touch is off a lot of smack talk all fall. He is now 17 and 18. Texas is back, folks. Oh. And with the remaining bowl games, as we tape this, there are only three discrepancies between he and Sully, which means it is over. Pete, get that personal credit card revved up. Here it is. Marriott points will be abound. It's my only solace. <laughs> bon yeah. boy, New Orleans. Gonna bon taste boy. sweet, isn't it, Pat? After listening to September trash talk, October trash <laughs> talk, and November trash talk, 
Happy New Year to me, baby. <laughs> Don't forget, I also invented an alter ego of your picks because they were so bad, who became a running gag on the show. So, that, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't just trash talk. I thought I got a little creativity for it. Yeah, plus we're going to buy you like a week stay in Hawaii with how many points you're going to rack up. <laughs> it's going to be ugly, baby. It is going to be ugly. <laughs> it will be aggressive. Oh, if it was only a whole night. But that's all right. I'm gonna get, get a lot I'm of gonna get like a stuff. sand timer. To like <laughs> <go to> bar. <laughs> Pat and I have done a extreme damage to bar tabs in, in an hour or less before. Yeah. So, so yeah. what do you plan on drinking? I mean, you both have pretty it's, pedestrian tastes in alcohol. Oh, we can we can up I, the uh, ante a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole different <laughs> ball game when you're paying. Yeah, Look let's it. find let's find favorite. some. some Aged bourbon, you know. My favorite things to drink are Bush Light is three. Number two is anything cold is number two, <laughs> and number one is free. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going for like I, I'm gonna do start doing my own research on you, like the the priciest bourbon we can find down oh, there. Yeah. This is no Orleans. We'll we can we can find some pappy. Yeah. This is gonna oh. be good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, sh we should ask our listeners because we do have a lot of listeners in Louisiana where they recommend I get gouged for my bar. Tab. <laughs> That's it. Send in your request, your your recommendations on yeah. any of our uh, Twitter handles. Uh, we'd yep. be happy to to take recommendations on where to just hammer Pete's. Pete's going to have to sell his uh, Speedos to pay for the bill. <laughs> <laughs> Send them to my Twitter handle so I can then block you and not give them the information. So. <laughs> uh, All right. So title game. Uh, you guys did a good job breaking down the, the semis. I, I listened. I was wow. on vacation with my family. It was very good, though. We still have a week and a half to go here. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> Pete did a good story showing why this is uh, basically yeah. their disastrous idea of changing the paradigm of New Year's Eve uh, and making all of America give up on centuries of <laughs> <laughs> merriment and parties on New Year's Eve to sit around and watch college football fail. Couldn't see that one coming. No. So they had to move the title of semis to the 28th. But now we still got the 13th. And so, I mean, the people that run this sport run it so poorly. It is a testament to how absolutely wonderful college football is that it, yeah. <laughs> that it continues yeah. on. I mean, it, it can survive epic mismanagement, chronic mismanagement, decades of mismanagement, and people still want to watch it. They always would go, it's very confusing trying to set up a playoff. <laughs> like, all right, now. My kids are involved in youth sports, Pat. I know yours were not just swimming. Like, I don't care. It's a it's a three on three, you know, Gus Macker tournament, right? <laughs> they figure yeah. out how to crown a winner at the end of the day. There's like 700 kids there. <laughs> okay, at the end of the day, someone's holding a trophy. Not hard to figure out. Every high school, every I mean, everybody can figure this stuff out. Field day in fourth grade. <laughs> Great Gus Macker reference. Yeah. Right, Gus Macker, right? If the Gus Macker but yeah, figure right. out, they don't but even they, know how many people are showing up on <laughs> Gus Macker. This is like 600 people show up. What age group? I don't know. We're playing. <laughs> Kids want to play. This is not hard. These guys are the worst. I mean, this is just, it's just idiotic. Two, I mean, we had these great, well, one great game, but it was so thrilling. Fantastic semifinal, everything you want. And it's like, oh yeah, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Yeah, well, uh, let, not meantime, just one, but two weekends of the NFL playoffs cycle and through, a, and a regular season weekend of the NFL playoffs. Yeah. Three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard yeah. to do. It's hard to schedule a game that could get interrupted by three weeks of the NFL. But they <laughs> <laughs> it's like I asked. Uh, I, was, I asked you. I'm like, when's the uh, title game media day? Like Saturday of of oh Saturday in the NFL divisional round. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll get a lot of attention. I mean, other than ESPN, which has to promote it because they're trying to get a rating like, you know, I mean, we'll 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 do stuff, obviously, some of the websites. But like you're just uh, the average fans not paying any. It's like, oh, yeah, that thing's still going on for them to actually think that people are going to stay locked in on this in any conceivable serious way, you know, and then like we're going to show up on the Thursday, the ninth 
on the 10th. There's really not going to be much to do. And then, as you said, when the playoffs are going on, we finally get to talk to people from the teams. I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm out. I'm You're going go to go. You'll go to the playoffs, right? Gee, I don't know. Let's see. They, uh, they, the Green Bay Packers are playing the New York. You know, the Patriots yeah. are playing the Chiefs. And what do you think's a bigger game? <laughs> or we can get. You know, I, it's just they're so bad at this, and yet they all stand around and pat each other on the back, like you know. And so there was a, a lot. We had uh, this. Is, we're taping this on the second, and New Year's Day happened, of course. And it was uh, it was fun to watch. I watched a ton of football on yeah. New Year's Day, as a lot of people did, because that's the day to watch football. And as people watch these games, I mean, the early games were at least intriguing. The the Rose Bowl was an excellent game. The Sugar Bowl kind of fell apart, but this is when the semifinals should be. If we're going sure. to do this bowl thing, this is what you know they they shouldn't they should. I don't even like the bowls being involved, but God knows these cronies cannot. It's so corrupt. They just cannot cut their guys out. But the worst part is they can't even cut anybody out, which is why you have three weekends between the semifinals and the title game. So the big thing is, why can't we do this on New Year's Day? And the reason is the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl refuses to move and nobody tells them to move. Now, there's a couple solutions here because I think, you know, look, everyone listening to this podcast is going to watch all these games like we do. Yeah. But it would be better. If it just would it just would fit nicely if that was your New Year's Day. You can either tell the Rose Bowl to move or pound sand, or you can try to make the Rose Bowl a permanent site, a semifinal site. But and this is the other thing that that, that I mentioned, and I, I tried to re-research this, and this is what I was told when I was writing the to the death of the BCSs. And I don't have, I'm not sure where I got this, but somebody told me it. Because what you need to do with the Rose Bowl wants to kick off at 5.15 Eastern time, 2.15. And they want to, because they want, what I was told, the sun to set on the San Gabriel Mountains at the end of the third quarter and the start of the fourth quarter. And it is a glorious scene. Okay? So they want to time the sunset for the start of the fourth. And because of that, they want to kick off at 5.15, which means the Sugar Bowl could start at nine, like that. those years we've had them both, the Rose and Sugar, the, the Sugar Bowl starts very, very late. I was at one of them. I think, well, I can't remember which semifinal. We had to wait till like nine something to start. Yeah. Nine Eastern. So you'd have to, what, you, what they should do is say, the semifinal is the Rose Bowl every year. This is my opinion. But you have to start at four o'clock. That's your deal. Four Eastern. Your sunset can be after the game. As everyone's walking to the parking lot or whatever mm-hmm. the hell, sorry, you don't get the sunset. And then have the sugar start at 8.15 and you've got yourself your, your semifinals. And then load up some other good games before. And I don't care if you make the Sugar Bowl the other permanent semifinal site. New Orleans is a great city to do it. Sugar Bowl is a historic thing. Rose Bowl is great. Those are your two things. But they can't do that because no one will tell the Rose Bowl to move. Because there's because the Rose Bowl bought, has bought, paid them all off with gifts and and trips and ass kick, kissing and all this stuff, and then they can't screw the and then the other bowls go. Well, what about us? We're the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. <laughs> yep. So we can't. We oh, we got to take care of these guys too. Why? Why are we taking care of these guys? Oh well, every year they give us a Caribbean cruise, or we have the Fiesta Bowl frolic. We play golf. Everybody buys out your conference commissioner and your ADs and all the people. And so because the your commissioners and your athletic directors and your associate commission, all this, this, this group of people who have made millions in the bureaucracy of college football are getting more free stuff. We can't just have the simplest thing in the world, which is four, eight, 15 new year's day every year. There's your semifinals. No, we can't have it. Too easy. Too easy. As you said, too entrenched. You know, and I don't know whether it is. A, it's, it's 100% graft, but it is. We are addicted to our own tradition. And the stubbornness of that is astounding, you know, and impossible to overcome. And, you know, there's been a lot of discussion from all corners over all this. And Pete's story was very good. He did a very good job of laying out a lot of the reasons why we are stuck in this stupid place. But, you know, one of the answers that somebody has thrown out is if, if the Rose Bowl's not a semifinal, play one semifinal at noon 
or one. Play the other before the Rose Bowl. Play the other one after the Rose Bowl. And you can do that. Now, the problem with that, though, the Sugar Bowl locked in the nighttime slot between the Big 12 and the SEC because that was basically when, when Delaney and Slive were in the hubristic battle of all time. It's like, okay, well, if the Rose Bowl is going to have their thing and it can't be moved, we're going to have our thing and it can't be moved. And so there we go. You know, for the rest of this contract, we're stuck with those two bowls at those exact times on New Year's Day. And that's, you know, that those are the kind of things that went into this. That's how we ended up there. It's just insane. It's so, like, historically messed up. Like, it's so rooted in the graft and the corruption that was tied to all these bulls over the years that they can't get out of it. The, the interesting thing will be this, the standoff that could potentially come. I believe the 12-year playoff is congruent. We're six years through that. Is congruent with the 12-year Sugar Bowl, Rose Bowl deal. So when everything's on the table in three or four years, again, to the common person, to the TV executive, nobody has to be more mad about this than ESPN. It's like, let's pay billions for this high yield product and underachieve on it like the 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 Clemson Ohio State game was a monster and it did a big rating because it was an epic mm -hmm. game but can you imagine if that was New Year's what were the what were the total viewer numbers on that there were 19.3 million viewers and ESPN always really like carefully words these press releases so you can kind of manipulate and spin and and whatnot and it said like the, the semifinals average, that's both games, up 6% year over year, which isn't that surprising because it was a Saturday. You had big brands. You had geographic diversity, which always, uh, which always helps. You know, the headline was that Ohio State Clemson had 21.2 million and called it the most watched non-New Year's Day college football playoff semifinal. So even the headline lauding this is acknowledging, like, we're never going to do as well as they do on New Year's Day. Right, right. But right. this is the best of what remains. And a divisional round NFL playoff game. Divisional round, so that'd be the final eight. 30 to 45 million people will watch a game. Yeah. If you get that late Sunday afternoon time slot where people are tied yeah. into watching the NFL... And right. yeah, they're going to put the Patriots or the Packers in there, but this is Clemson, Ohio State. 42 million will watch. And so you're underperforming significantly from that. And so, yeah, if you had that, that, that game, be, be even higher. Go ahead. See, this is what the scheduling, that the, what they've done is essentially by people expect to watch college football on New Year's Day. They're like three days after Christmas. They could be driving somewhere. They could be traveling somewhere. So what you do is they're going to watch in Birmingham. They're going to watch in Columbus. They're going to watch in these hotbeds. You lose Philadelphia, Boston, Seattle, Los Angeles, the places where the casual fan who probably watches the NFL playoff divisional rounds doesn't watch this college football because it's it's it, they're not scheduling to watch it. But America no. watches college football on New Year's. So it's idiotic for the future of the sport, for growing the sport, for growing the playoffs, that they're not playing these games on New Year's Day. And it's all because they can't tell the guy who runs the Chick-fil-A Bowl, <laughs> you're out. Yeah. Your gravy train is over. You're not yes. going to make a million dollars a year running a bowl game. That's it. Because anyone else would say, this isn't working anymore. Sorry. Right. Okay. This, this isn't working. We can do better. But they won't. They will never cut their old friends out. Believe me, college administrators hate third parties when they're AAU coaches, when they're eight professional sports agents, when they're whatever else. They love them when they're old <laughs> white guys who used to hold their job. <laughs> yeah, that's no. it. Oh, they yeah. love third parties when it's a boulder. Oh, hey, I interned him back in the ticket office. <laughs> University yeah. of Mississippi back. They got to yeah. take care Good of their guys. on that Orange Bowl cruise. That Orange <laughs> Bowl. It's just, Jimmy, we got to take care of Jimmy. Can't move that. I mean, come on, people. It is the biggest payout in amateur sports. The most corrupt thing. The, they, will, they will flip out of some point guard from Memphis takes five Gs, man. But they will let millions go to their boys. That's it. Yeah, it's all the same, baby. Money flowing. That's the system. So that's, the that's system. why you're stuck watching Baylor and Georgia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, 
again, I'm going to watch, you're going to watch, but it's just, yeah. it's infuriating. They're literally at about a sunset and yeah. an inability to cut their friends. Because the, the Rose the Bowl will not the move off is, of five. The parade's important, Dan. You, you can't, can't do the one and the, the parade eight. runs the game and the game runs college football. Yeah. So there you have it. Basically, a parade decides the entire structure of the college football play. And the parade, now the parade was invented back in the 18, like 90s in Pasadena because they wanted America to see that it was warm and beautiful in Southern California in January. Mm -hmm. So they created a flower parade <laughs> to then pictures would be taken and appear in the newspapers of America and encouraging people to move from their they're frozen wherever they are living and go, wow, it's so nice out there. They got flowers blooming. That was the idea. It was a marketing concept to get people to move to California. Guess what? It worked fabulously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now they need some more people to move out of California. Yeah, they don't have enough people. They have too many people now. Okay. So I think, <laughs> you know, I think it worked. I think we're good with out. People are aware that it is nice weather in Los Angeles. I think we can move on. Yeah, yeah. The Birmingham Bowl today, by the way, not a good advertisement to move to Birmingham for January third <laughs> or say January second games. Downpour, Boston College versus Cincinnati. Oh, did it sleet in Shreveport? <laughs> it did not. It did uh, not. I'm just assuming Dan. I'm just it assuming. It sleeted. Yeah. It sleeted in Birmingham. Saved it for that. <laughs> All right. One quick thing about the title game. I did see this from Joe Burrow, and I, I appreciate this. He admitted that he wished Ohio State was in the title game. How about that? He was a bit sad to see Ohio State lose to Clemson, but we're ready to play whoever. Now, I don't think that is a slight on Clemson. I think they may turn that into a slight, but if you are a player and it doesn't work out at one school, you know, man, one girl dumps you or it didn't work out, you want to come back to the high school reunion with the <laughs> Miss America, man. That is just <laughs> that's just human nature. I love that he admitted it. Yeah, right. Right. I love it. Because I hate when they pretend that it doesn't matter. Oh, right. Yeah, no, that's like matter. would Ed Orgeron like to play USC right now? The hell yeah, he would. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right in the Coliseum. No. Of no course doubt you do. Yeah. So I would have I mean, I didn't it doesn't matter to me. This is gonna be great. But uh I would have loved to have seen that little angle too. That would have been fun. You know, Jalen Hurts would have wanted to play Alabama too if things had gone uh gone that direction. So I mean that's human nature, but it'll be good as is. It'll be a great matchup. The rare person who actually wants Bama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Bama, now Bama looked uh looked pretty good beating Michigan on uh, New Year's Day. There were good games, you know, there were decent games. It's pretty interesting. Michigan, of course, is just Michigan. It's just there. Just great helmets. Nice little record. Looks good. You know, fight song. Go blue. And they just, uh, you know, they just they just exist. Yep. Uh, they don't do anything. They beat bad teams. They don't beat good teams. This was actually a decent performance. Like, people were legitimately excited because they were leading at halftime on a Tua Tungo Valoa less uh, <laughs> Alabama team. Yeah. So the most interesting thing to me, because this was an easy one to predict, what came late. 31 seconds left in the game. Uh, Alabama has the ball down inside the, the Michigan 10 or around the 10. I don't know exactly. They're leading 28-16. They can take a knee and end the game. Instead, Harris gets the ball, runs in for a touchdown, moves it to 35-16. Pat Forty was Saban. We'll, we'll do a mini people's court. We may do a people's court later on something more, more significant, but mini people's court. Was Saban running up the score? Was this a Saban pettiness dating back to when Harbaugh angered him by running a satellite recruiting camp in the state of Alabama? And, and, and Saban deemed it somehow he was worried about the unintended consequences of Michigan running a football camp, which I have no idea what those unintended consequences would be. But he was quite angry about those satellite camps. Did Saban run it up on the khaki? Because uh, of, of long simmering pettiness. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know where you're going to vote. This is like throwing, <laughs> this is like throwing a conservative issue at the Supreme Court right now. Like, I think <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Go ahead. He 100% ran it up. <laughs> now, here's, here's his plausible deniability. Like, hey, Najee Harris was out there. He didn't have to play in this game. 
but he gave everything for us. He was carrying us down the field. He's knocking over tacklers. I wanted to reward him with one more touchdown at Alabama. In reality, it was like, oh, we're not taking no knee. No, we're going to stick it to Harbaugh and his little satellite camps. And I used to coach at Michigan State, and I hate Michigan, and I don't like those fans up there, so we're sticking it to them too. This was a double-pronged stick it to them. Uh, rub it in touchdown by Saban and afterwards I did watch the handshake just to see if he was going to even try to explain or anything no just hey good job Jim turn around <laughs> ah, you don't explain crap when you're saving that's right. why you're you saving. don't have to you don't have to <laughs> Pete you concur with justice 40 I do I do I am the Fox News analyst you are asking about the impeachment <laughs> 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 Nick Saban not Going into victory formation is like completely – he might as well have shown up in a Bozo the Clown wig. It was so out of character for him, right? Right. And, uh, you know, I uh, – Nick Saban has no love loss for Jim Harbaugh because when Jim Harbaugh was in like full-bore clown mode in 2016, he was just completely ripping on Saban and ripping on Alabama. There was a famous tweet from Harbaugh. Amazing to me, Alabama broke NCAA rules and now their head coach – is lecturing us on the possibility of rules being broken at camps. Truly amazing. Somewhat hilariously, he puts amazing in quotes both times, and I don't really know why. Punctuation, not a strong suit for the man. Yeah. So, uh, but no, there is no question that that was like completely vindictive by Nick Saban. And I talked to a few people who quickly confirmed that Saban was stabbing, stabbing Harbaugh back. Jim Harbaugh's career at Michigan has fit like the neatest, perfect little narrative. He's essentially won every game he should for the most part. Maybe there's a Utah game early that they might have been a small favorite. And he's lost every game that he's been an underdog and been wiped off the field in uh, in many of those games. I was surprised after that first touchdown and considering how much Don Brown has struggled to adjust his defense to very good teams, I saw them go over the top on that first play, and I'm like, God, they're going to score 60 today. Credit to Michigan for not letting Alabama to run up the score. That's the, Those are the moral victories they have to take. The most diabolical stat that uh, I saw, Stuart Mandel tweeted it, and um, I think it they was They said it on the air. It, it was a Scott Van Pelt. I, I know it. In the last 20 years, Rutgers has won six bowl games. Michigan has won five. Is that Woo-hoo! it? That is it. That now, is it. Slightly tougher competition for Michigan, in all fairness. Yeah. They weren't at they were not at the gallery furniture bowl and all that. <laughs> of course, there were some years they didn't make it. But it's basically Michigan. They just they're there to show up. Give you yeah. they're actually it's a great, they're great for that early New Year's Day game for the casual viewer we were talking about. Because some guy rolls out of bed in L.A., you know, hasn't watched a lot, a little hungover, wherever you are. Hey, let's put on some college football. Hey, Michigan. There you go. Yeah. I know that helmet, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, this dispute, I'm going to, I have the quote on the amazing. This is why he quoted amazing between Saban and, first off, let me say this. You could, you're going to run it up on Michigan? Go ahead. Like, this is <laughs> Michigan. Sorry. Yeah, right. They got tackling, Nobody. got a couple tackling dummies yeah. over there. It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this isn't just. We're going to run it up on Middle Tennessee because, uh, you know, I once got a speeding ticket on I-75. No. Okay. Michigan wants to consider itself a heavyweight. Well, then get in there and stop somebody and don't keep complaining if they score late against you. Right. It's a heavyweight boxing match. You will get knocked out in the 12th round. The other guy doesn't have to sit there and say, I'll go nice to you. And we go to the card because I'm up 11 rounds to one. No, I'll knock you out at any point. Boom. Hit him. So no problem. But let me say this. Harbaugh gets the job and does these satellite cans because he knows Michigan needs better recruits. Yeah. So he sets one up down in South Alabama. He shows up, I think, without wearing a shirt. He took his shirt off. He was in khakis and uh, like, remember that picture? Yes. Yes. Weird. That was weird. Saban goes to SEC Media Day, and this is his quote. They ask about the satellite. I don't know how much it benefits anybody because all the people that say this is recruit creating opportunities for kids, this is all about recruiting. That's what it's about. What's amazing to me, that's why the amazing is in quotes, yeah. is somebody didn't stand up and say, Here, here's going to be the unintended consequences of what you all are doing. There needs to be someone who looks out for what's best for the game, not what's best for the Big Ten, or what's best for the SEC, or what's best for Jim Harbaugh, but what's best for the game of college football. Now, again, I still do not know what the hell the problem is. If Michigan wants to hold a training camp, Anywhere in the world, like Jim Harbaugh shows up in your neighborhood and you've got a kid playing high school football, 
I don't care how bad or good he is. Hey, five, and it's like 10 bucks you had to pay to go. Why not? Like, I think it's great. They didn't get any recruits. Look at the damn team. <laughs> yeah. No threat. It was the whole concept was built on the idea that Alabama and Auburn were paying enough attention to high school players in Alabama. Guess right. what? They are. Okay. Yeah. None of the kids turned out any good. They did them. But I, if they want to run satellite camps. I think that's an awesome experience for most of these kids who went to those camps are not getting Jim Harbaugh to pay attention to him unless, hey, you know, Jim Harbaugh's down the street. Sure, I'll go. I mean, you know, like you can make fun of Harbaugh's record, but he's still a big time coach. So, all right, this uh, that's what this all stems from. So that's yeah. where the the amazing uh, relates to. And yeah, I mean, do you think Saban keeps scoring his head forever? Yeah, I, I would imagine he does. <laughs> you know? So. All right. Other thing with Alabama, Tuatunga Valoa is going to make an announcement on Monday. Now, we are taping this on Thursday the 2nd. There are plenty of people at Alabama who think he's coming back. We will see. Until that deal is done, I, I don't know if I can believe it. But, Pete, what are you hearing? What do you think? Is Could Tua actually return to college football for another year? He totally could. I don't think he will, but he totally could. That option is on the table and has not been dismissed. Yeah, I think that there's part of Tua, it's been explained to me, that like sees college football as his platform, almost in like a Tebow-ish way. And sees the chance to come back and play again as an opportunity. There's also a chance he could like not go to the NFL and sit out. I, I think that's on the table still too. But I would think if he doesn't go to the NFL, he does play at Alabama next year. I don't think there's a great chance of that, but I think that's that's where the where the options lie right now. Pat, what would you do if you were the advisor of the uh, of Tua? If I were the advisor of Tua, I would tell him to go pro. I would say, <clears throat> you know, if provided your physical re re recovery and rehab is on schedule, and you're not, you know, don't have some really bad, you know, diagnosis of your long-term future and health, I would say, you know what? I've just played two of the best years anybody's ever played at quarterback. He would break his own NCAA efficiency record this year if he would have played enough games. He ended up not playing enough, but he would have broken the record. His efficiency rating right now is higher than Joe Burrows. I mean, he's he's been phenomenal. People know you can throw it. Don't risk more injury. Go now and get what you can get. Uh, that would be my advice to him. But I do know that there are some people in Alabama, not just fans, but other people that are holding out hope that he and this kind of this group of guys, these juniors who are draft eligible, that most of them are going to get together and say, hey, we don't want to go out losing to LSU and Auburn and not being in the playoff. Let's do it again. They've already they got Alex Leatherwood to come back today, offensive tackle. They're not going to get Jerry Judy. They're not going to get Terrell Lewis. But there's still a couple other ones that are out there on the fence. We have the bizarre Dylan Moses situation where he said he's coming back and then his dad issued the strangest uh, <laughs> proclamation of all time, including referring to his son as his majesty. Um, when the, there's only one His Majesty in Tuscaloosa, that's Nick. But <laughs> that almost so no, made I, up for a boring signing day, by the way. I feel like that's yeah, the story right. that comes on signing. That day. is the kind of stuff that happens on yes. signing day. Yeah, but I so thought anyway, it was the bouncer at Innisfree was His Majesty. I thought he had the most power. <laughs> it's uh, you know, we'll I, it, it's going to be a very dramatic announcement. That's for sure. If they can keep a, keep the lid on it until Monday, because there's going to be a lot of people that care. And I think if they get him to come back. And he's healthy. Whoa. But if I were him, I'd advise him go pro. As a fan of college football, I hope he comes back. I think it's a great well, story. Well, sure. For our sport, very, for what very we exciting. do. As an advisor with no emotional attachment to this, go. Yeah. First off, you're going to get drafted. Yeah. You're probably going to get drafted high. Could you get higher? Yes, and make more. But you're losing a year. But here's the thing. I think you get into the NFL and someone drafts you. They're going to be – they're far more interested in saying – you're not playing in 2020. You're going to study. You're going to be our backup. We will make a move mm -hmm. at a later date. And you, you're, there's no pressure on rushing back to the field. Where if you go to college again, obviously you're returning to win. So you're yeah. going to want to play. And I get all that. Of course you want to play. But you might rush your way back. If all of a sudden you can't play, you need more time. That actually hurts your draft status way more than, than this. I, I mean, just as a business move. You got to go pro, but you know what? 
you're allowed to live your own life. And, and that's great. If these guys love Alabama and they're having, I mean, it's not like it's a terrible situation uh, mm-hmm. that they're in. So go for it and uh, work, get it, work on your degree. And believe me, he's never going to want for money because of the fame he's created in that state, you know? And so it's not a, a huge risk, but in terms of football, I would say go pro, but we'll see. Be, I, when I first heard this about, I don't know, whatever, a month or five weeks ago, I was like, come on. But here we are. We'll see. A couple a couple others from New Year's Day. The Minnesota-Auburn game was pretty good. At the end when Minnesota won, you know, the, the dousing, you know, they always douse the coach. The dousing of P.J. Fleck by his players and the celebration of the Minnesota players was like, it was just awesome. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It was like when some, when the kids win the Little League World Series. Like, it, they were <laughs> – and the crowd was going crazy. I, I'm not going to – like, they're not the best team. They're not going to win the national title. I think LSU fans maybe are more satisfied with Ed Orsch. But I don't know how a fan base and it could be more satisfied with a coach right now or a team had more fun this year without winning every single game than Minnesota and P.J. Fleck. Like, that thing just looks like a blast. Going. Oh, yeah. And that was fascinating to watch. And then you spin it as Sully teamed at a tale of two coaches. Like Auburn's already pissed at Gus again. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sorry, right on back. So <laughs> bowl games don't matter. Uh, looked like it mattered on that field, baby. <laughs> yeah. No, that look, some of them absolutely matter more than others, and to some fan bases more than others. But you're right. The I think. There's been a, a great appreciation by the Minnesota fans and the players and the coaches and everything of what a special season this was because they don't have special seasons like this. Right. And yeah, okay, like LSU could be happier with Ed Orgeron maybe, but then they lose two games next year, they're not happy with Ed Orgeron. If if Minnesota goes 6 and 6 next year, they're still happy with PJ Fleck and they will be for like a decade. So, uh the the level of satisfaction with a season like that is just so much higher uh, an appreciation for it at a place where you just don't get it very often. So that was, uh, that was cool to see. And it had just been a great story this year. As a uh, longtime boat rower from uh, a couple of trips to Kalamazoo when PJ was at Western Michigan, it was, it's been interesting to sort of see the paradigm shift in, in college football, really in the last four or five years, look at who's in the title game. You got Ed Orgeron and Dabo Sweeney, who to put it politely, aren't intricately involved in day-to-day football decisions in terms of schemes and X's and O's. Now they're involved in recruiting. They're involved in the board. They're involved in all that stuff. These guys know more. They've forgotten more football than I'll ever dream of knowing. PJ is the same way. You look at Will Healy at Charlotte, who got a lot of interest in higher jobs after one season there. There is like this sort of like new shift coming in college football coaching where you don't have to be some film grinder, gap scheme expert, like you can be a great leader, a great recruiter and a great motivator as which all those guys are and be a very successful head coach without being some savant of X's and O's. Yeah, hire those guys, right? You hire one of those guys and they're your savant and you, you run the program. Yeah, right. yeah pretty yeah. yeah. I was you also joking that you hired Joe Brady, right? Three of the four coaches in the playoff, Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day and Dabo Sweeney had no head coaching experience at the college level. I don't know, maybe somewhere at high school or something. I don't know if Ryan Day was there. I don't think any of them had any. Mm. And they end up in the playoff, right? They were all promoted from within. Uh, Coach O did have experience, but he also was promoted as an interim. All four, I think all four at one point or another held the interim job. And so it's kind of, that's kind of interesting. Like the old style, I don't know what this means. It's probably just a coincidence, but the old style kind of was, you had your Bob Stoops and stuff, but a lot of them was like, grind your way up, grind your way up, mm-hmm. get a lot of head coaching experience. Now it's like, yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Um, one thing I wanted to add, two things. I, I, this may turn really quick, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because these things move quick with the NFL, but two coaches, again, being mentioned a lot. One is Matt Rule and the Giants. Apparently Matt, uh, didn't refuse to uh, meet with the Cleveland Browns. Good idea. Jimmy Haslam's a nightmare. Do we think we've seen the last, at least for a while, of Matt Rule at the college level? Will he leave Baylor for the Giants, which is a completely different franchise than the Cleveland Browns? If you don't follow the NFL that closely, it's like the Giants are the gold standard of the Mara family and it's class and, and it's just, it's a much more stable. Jimmy Haslam, I mean, Jimmy Haslam wants, 
hired a GM and then fired him in 11 months, the entire front office. Like how good a, how much could a front office do in 11 months? Right. Like, <laughs> he goes through coaches like uh flying J uh, coffee pots. Right. <laughs> they hired Freddie kitchens. Cause they thought it was a good idea. Yeah. That worked out well. Yeah, it's it like hiring Bill in, Stewart at the bar. At, uh, it doesn't it doesn't work in the NFL if your coach doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Freddie Kitchens could be a college football coach because he's a really funny, yeah. likable guy. I'd get to the NFL level, you are you just like Odell Beckham Jr. had four touchdowns this year. Okay, <laughs> need someone who knows how to coach. Like I could design an offense that could get five touchdowns for Odell Beckham Jr. Good God, four touchdowns. Good work. Way to go generational talent. Um, Pete, what do you think? Is Matt Rule going to take this Giants job? And I understand that by the time someone listens to this, he could have already turned it down or already been announced. I don't know. But well, this is this is what we know about Matt Rule. He is, uh, he's at the day after the Sugar Bowl. He's going to Cabo with his family. He's going on vacation. He is not going to talk to NFL teams until after he goes to Cabo. So there you go. I, I give him I give him credit. Uh, I give him credit for that. I think he ultimately takes the Giants job. He has not told me that, but I do think he's from New York City. That's where he grew up. He has a uh, he has a house on the Jersey Shore. How often in coaching searches, by the way, does the location of the coach's vacation home become a factor? That's something I've noticed <laughs> over the years. Oh, he's got a house there, but he ain't um, gonna see it. Yeah. Matt, well, Matt rules yeah. a Jersey. Matt rules a New York guy, and he right. would fit well in that market. Uh, what I think will be interesting will be like what the what what he has been on the Giants too. Like he's been on their coaching staff. He was there for a year and 12 as the assistant O-line coach. It's back when Coughlin was a head coach. So he knows, you know, sometimes when you, you've seen it up close, you know too much. So it'll be interesting to see if what he brings to them as potential changes, they want to meet and match. But I would think that's the runaway favorite for him. And there's some unknown here. Like we don't know what his buyout is to go to the NFL, to go to another college team, it's, you know, it's decent. But to go to the NFL, NFL teams usually have not historically been in the market for paying big buyouts for college coaches. I, do, I don't know. Uh, I, I can't think of one of significance off the top of my head. That, that is not going to play a factor. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I think like $50 million or something. I mean, it's just not. Yeah. I think it's a good fit. I think rule would have been the Jets coach last year if the Jets didn't try to shove Adam Gase down his throat to be on his uh, staff, which was probably a pretty good decision by Matt, uh, by Matt rule. All things considered, considering the GM who would have hired him a year ago at this time is no longer there considering the jets have been a unmitigated disaster for pretty much a half century. So the giants, you have class, you have stability, you have a decent roster, but what if the Cowboys come calling? If who, if you're Jerry Jones, let me ask you guys this. Do you hire Lincoln Riley or do you hire Matt rule? I go with an NFL coach, but I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think he's, he might be, close enough in Waco to see the warts on uh, in Dallas and say, you know what? Like for all the reasons you said, I mean, he's a New York guy. From what I understand, I mean, he grew up a Giants fan. Like this is the job for you. And he's got NFL experience. I mean, you know, the Giants makes much more sense than the Cowboys to me. If you, you just, you've got to put up with the whole Jones sideshow and, and Matt rule isn't a big sideshow kind of guy, you know, he's a smock wearing, you know, spit on the smock guy. <laughs> Did you see that? That was that was a rather unfortunate uh, yeah. look. I hope if I ever spit on myself, it helps my brand. <laughs> you know, like nothing was better for Matt Rule. Like people are talking about the spitting on himself, like it's a positive. <laughs> most times, most times they throw me out of the bar when I spit on myself, right? And Matt Rule, Matt Rule is like getting endorsements from bib companies. So, yeah. so I just, I think, I think. I, I would be surprised if he's not the Giants coach if the Giants make him a good offer. So Giants want him. I think he goes. That's my yeah. prediction, too. Here's a story that uh, that caught my eye. A potential fan of the year award. Hmm. I had to double check the story to make sure the last name involved here is not 40. <laughs> but it was not. <laughs> Three family members and a friend, oh. all from Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> I'm reading this from scoopnashville.com, scoopnashville.com. Three family members and a friend, all from Louisville, Kentucky, were deemed too drunk for the Music City Bowl Monday. (laughs) (laughs) They tried to go to the game and were all charged with public intoxication. It includes Gregory Metzger, 50, Melissa Metzger, 50, Sarah Metzger, 20, their daughter, and friend Kaylee McHugh, 21, all charged. According to the National Police, the group of four had attended a party, quote unquote, of sorts on Broadway before the Music City Bowl game, then attempted to enter Nissan Stadium at Gate 8, 
where they were noticed to have trouble standing and determined heavily intoxicated to such a level they were in danger to themselves and others. <laughs> Melissa Metzger, that's mom. Mom disclosed she had consumed at least three Bloody Mary drinks. And Sarah Metzger admitted to drinking with her parents at the party on Broadway. The mug shots are fantastic. Mom is wearing a Louisville Cardinal paint job on her cheek. <laughs> All right. Is, is Melissa and Greg Metzger fans of the year because the family that gets thrown out of the Music City Bowl together stays together? And I ain't buying your three Bloody Marys there, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would Pat, say this is all you. I, I, I leave the Louisville <laughs> drunken expertise to you. Yeah, I mean, I they're strong. You know, I think you got to put them, this family, for the in the fan of the year contest up against the guy that tried to phone in the threat to end the game <laughs> so that so the LSU game wouldn't go into the over or whatever, you know, help his friends yeah. with the bet. Yeah, but he's facing so. terrorism. These guys, you yeah. got to pay a fine and sleep it off. <laughs> I, I know. Mean. I know. Yeah. And <laughs> it was, um, that was something. When that came across, I was actually with a friend who looked at that and go, and said, ooh, I went to law school with him. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, this guy. Oh, Hopefully yeah. that expedited yeah. their exit from the uh, local authorities. Yeah. Gregory or Melissa Metzger, you have an open invitation to join the podcast <laughs> to explain your story because we are proud of you. But you aren't coming right. to the open bar with my credit card. Quite frankly, <laughs> 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 under the he can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, they might break you. They might break you, Pete. <laughs> <That's a> family. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can be mad at each other. You can't be disappointed no. in your daughter. Absolutely. It can't be disappointed. Like, like you, the, you did it. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> if one if thing, we hadn't ordered like those Jameson shots, we wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> <laughs> the friend of the family, like you send your daughter down there with them. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll take good care of them. Oh, the Metzgers are going to the game. Yeah, have a good night. Yeah, yeah it'll be yeah. fun. They'll, have, they'll take fun. Take, they'll keep take an eye on Kaylee. her. Yeah, Sarah <laughs> and Kaylee won't get too crazy on air yeah. in Nashville because the parents are there. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Then the McHughes, yeah, they get the pictures, all, all four mug shots. There, eh, things went a little. Have sideways. you seen the mug shots? Three of them are frowning, and then there's Greg smiling. <laughs> Mom looks ticked off. Oh yeah. yeah. But who? Hey, check the mirror, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't they, even get to see Louisville win. They won the game. Yeah, they beat Mississippi State. <laughs> they uh, were put in jail at 4 p.m. I mean, this happened wow. early. That's the other thing. Wow. And wow. uh, at midnight, they were released. Charges were dismissed. So oh, there you go. That's good. Well, there you go. <laughs> they, yeah. They just have random strangers mocking them on podcasts. That's probably <laughs> enough. I love that. Hey, not mocking. Saluting. <laughs> Saluting. <laughs> All right. I have a uh, final thing. We're going to have to go people's court here. So uh, legal minds, Justice uh, Thamel and Justice Forty, please. Okay, Jacksonville, Florida, and the mug shots on this are just, uh, they're just glorious. Husband and wife team here, Tito and Amanda Watts. Tito and Amanda Watts were arrested over the weekend for selling, quote, golden tickets to heaven, unquote, to hundreds of people. The couple sold the tickets on the street for $99.99 per ticket, told buyers the tickets were made from solid gold, and each ticket reserved the buyer a spot in heaven. Simply present the ticket at the pearly gates and you're in. Sounds legit to me, right? Yeah. What could go wrong? Who are these idiots that bought this ticket? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. They should be charged with a crime. Anyway, uh, people can, this is the Jacksonville police spokesman. People can sell tickets to heaven. That was not the crime. But the Watts misrepresented, misrepresented their products. The tickets were just wood spray painted Wood spray painted gold with ticket to heaven admit one written on the marker. You can't sell something as gold when it's not. That's where the watch yeah. cross the line into doing something illegal. Okay, so uh, because I get your judge's ruling on this, should these two be this this lovely couple? They police said they. This is a funny part too. Some of this will be a surprise. So this is a great sentence, by the way. Police said they confiscated over ten thousand dollars in cash. Okay. Five crack pipes. What? And a baby oh. alligator. What? Come on. Yeah. Okay. 
Where so, does the alligator come into play? I don't play know whether no explanation on the alligator. Uh, well, all right, Tito Watts' defense. <laughs> okay, so uh, the, I've, I've laid out the prosecution's case. I will now present the defense. <laughs> Tito Watts, I don't care what the police say. The tickets are solid gold. <laughs> it ain't cut up two by fours. I spray painted gold. Uh, sounds like it is. <laughs> And it was Jesus who gave them to me behind the KFC. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, we had to have a chicken war in here somehow, right? We had a yeah, chicken yeah, reference. Yeah, I didn't yeah, even know KFC this was finally gets into the war. Here we go. <laughs> okay. It was Jesus who gave them to me behind the KFC and said, sell them so I could get me some money to go to outer space. Okay. Okay. I met an alien named Stevie. Who said, if I got the cash together, these are actual quotes. I met an alien named Stevie who said, if I got the cash together, he'd take me and my wife on his flying saucer to his planet that's made entirely of crack cocaine. What? You can smoke all the crack cocaine there you want, totally free. So try to send an innocent man to jail and see what happens. You should arrest Jesus because he's the one that gave me the golden tickets and said to sell them. I'm willing to wear a wire and set Jesus up. <laughs> Amanda Watts added, we just wanted to leave Earth and go to space and smoke rock cocaine. I didn't do That's nothing. <laughs> Tito sold the golden tickets to heaven. I just watched. Oh, there's already a... The, 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 the crime family is already splintering. Amanda yeah, may turn right, on Tito. Right. Okay, so Justice 40. Is Tito Watts innocent and should the police, the authorities in Jacksonville, take up his offer... <laughs> on wearing a wire to catch Jesus. <laughs> or should Tito Watts go to jail for misrepresenting a two-by-four painted gold <laughs> as a gold ticket to heaven? Tito Watts absolutely should be set free for <laughs> coming up with the most absurd story in history. I mean... That's that's like beyond. I, you can't even. I, I don't know how you make it up unless you are on a lot of crack cocaine. I guess. Would Jesus hang out behind a KFC? Is that where Jesus is? You know, everyone's looking for the guy. Jesus is everywhere, Dan. Jesus is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to look for him behind but, the KFC. No, the uh, the people that need to be arrested are the idiots that paid for those things. <laughs> I mean, that is criminal stupidity. <laughs> so anybody that bought one of those for 100 bucks, that's who needs to go to jail. Well, I, I think I'm in Team Free Cheeto because, uh, <laughs> the, you know, the, the only time I've heard more, like, blatant lies is, like, college basketball coaches trying to explain how they get players. So I think Cheeto should end up as, like, the number two assistant in the SEC somewhere immediately. <laughs> the kids just loved our law quad. Mm. <laughs> all right well uh we'll see what uh we'll see what tito and amanda what the real justice says we'll try to keep up on this ongoing saga i tito watch should be hired as a as a screenwriter i mean is fantastic absolutely yeah, yeah. creative consultant yeah, we, because like an amazon prime miniseries on jesus <laughs> what if jesus is remember that song what if jesus was riding the bus or whatever <laughs> what if jesus oh, yeah. is buying the kfc <laughs> i'd never go to popeyes again that it's a country song there's so many things we can do here <laughs> see zz top song jesus just left chicago and he's bound for new orleans maybe he detoured yeah. to jacksonville and he's behind the kfc we just wanted to leave earth and go to space and smoke rock rock cocaine hey man <laughs> That's all, man. Just leave That's us all alone. That's all of us, Amanda. That's all of us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to be back next week. Uh, we will tape all together in New Orleans for the big title game preview. Appreciate y'all listening. And uh, Happy New Year to everyone. Please uh, subscribe and share the show around. We'll be, we'll be back. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>